Artemis One launched this week and we're talking about humans living on the moon, maybe even Australians on the moon. Are you going to volunteer? No, I think I'll just sit and watch in the comfort of my lounge. Well, fair enough. Uh, there's a good reason actually behind that, but you don't know it yet, but I'm about to tell you the story. Um, with it's, It was an uncrewed spacecraft, but yeah, we're, we're looking at getting long-term bases on the moon, humans back on the moon, eventually even to Mars, which means humans spending a lot more time in low gravity environments. And the implication, presumably, we're just getting into um, a story here that's more suitable for the science show than the health report. Is there a health <laughs> angle no, here? There's definitely a health angle. Robin's always putting on astronomical stories just to get a bit of audience going. <laughs> no, with missions like these, humans are going to be in space for longer than ever before. And while gravity kind of sucks when you're trying to get off the couch or if you accidentally drop something, it turns out it's pretty important for how our bodies function even down to the level of our brain function. Then you undo your buckles and you're floating and everything you've ever learned about how to use your body is suddenly made null and void. (laughs) This is Stan Love. He's a physicist and an astronaut with NASA. He spent two weeks in the space shuttle in 2008. And honestly, the way he talks about zero gravity is taking the shine off it for me a bit. And your first day in weightlessness is like your first day in a wheelchair after a spinal accident. Your lower body is useless, and now you've got to get used to using your upper body for orientation and propulsion, as well as for manipulating things. And uh, you don't get as much done the first day as you might have planned on. Plus, most people feel nauseated. About a third of people actually feel bad enough that they throw up. However, after about four days, your vestibular system rewires itself and everybody feels better. And that's when you start seeing the videos of people flying around the cabin and doing somersaults in midair and all that fun stuff. And it is a blast. Earth's gravity doesn't just keep us grounded. It's a tool our body uses to function, including our brain. On Earth, we pump blood into our brain from our heart and gravity then equilibrates and pulls it back down into our chest and to our lower extremities. This is Meng Law. He's a professor in neuroscience at Monash University. So in space where there is microgravity, the return of fluid from the brain into the lower body is not there. and There's a continuous buildup of fluid, if you like, in the brain over time. And it occurs fairly quickly. In a matter of weeks, 30% of astronauts will report some visual disturbances. These visual disturbances have a technical name, spaceflight-associated neuroocular syndrome. The visual effects are primarily because of the change in the shape that the globe and the eyeball becomes a little bit flattened. So they tend to be more long-sighted. And then there's fluid that accumulates around the optic nerve as well that also causes some flattening of the optic disc. So the combination of all those things causes the visual abnormalities. And then with the increase in fluid in the brain, they report uh, headaches and so on. Right. So there's headaches and there's sort of these acute changes. Is there anything around long-term neurological damage? So that's something that's not really known. Good news is that these symptoms are reversible and uh, when they return to Earth, all these effects tend to equilibrate and go back to normal. Astronauts are sent to the space station for six months to 12 months at a time, and then they have to return partly because of some of these effects, not only to the brain, but other effects to the rest of the body. So we don't know if someone spends more time in space, whether these changes become irreversible. Meng and his colleagues have been studying brain scans of astronauts to figure these things out. 
And not just NASA astronauts either. The researchers pooled MRIs from NASA, the European Space Agency and the Russian Space Agency Roscosmos. There was a difference between the Russian cosmonauts and the NASA astronauts. And it turns out that this spaceflight associated neuroocular syndrome which seems to be more prevalent in the NASA astronauts than in the uh, cosmonauts from, uh, from the Russian Space Agency. And when we looked at the mitigation factors, it turns out that the two space agencies uh, have slightly different ways of potentially dealing with this. NASA used a resistance exercise setup, whereas the Russians use a lower body negative pressure suit that effectively simulates gravity in sucking the fluid out of the upper body. With more humans planning to spend more time in space, maybe on commercial joy flights, maybe long-term missions to the moon or Mars, it's important that we know what low gravity does to us and how to mitigate it. So commercially, if you know people are wanting to go into space for a few days at a time or even maybe a few weeks, it's unlikely that these are going to be an issue. Another space program launching next year is Polaris Dawn, and Meng and his colleagues are looking forward to getting even more precise data about the effects of low gravity on the brain. SpaceX and NASA are sending some astronauts into space and we're uh, configured to potentially do MRI scans on these astronauts within an hour or two of them landing. I mean, most of this data that we've analysed has been days to weeks after they've returned. So we really want to try and figure out what happens immediately after they return. It's research like this that's going to set us up for more ambitious spaceflight. Astronaut Stan Love. Yep, if we want to go to Mars, that's going to be three years in reduced gravity. Maybe a year of that, you'd be on Mars. And we have no data what happens to you at three-eighths of a G, so that will be interesting. But that's a long trip, yeah, and we have a lot to learn before we can be confident that we can send people on that long a trip and do it safely. Dr. Stan Love, a NASA physicist and astronaut. And, of course, we also heard from Meng Law, a professor in the Department of Neuroscience at Monash University and head of Diagnostic and Intervent Interventional Radiology Research at the Alfred Hospital. And actually, Norman, at the same conference where Meng Law presented his research, the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Radiologists, a different group presented work on the risk of glute muscle loss, that is your butt muscles. I'm squeezing them as you speak. <laughs> well, you'd better keep doing it because it has real impacts on hip stability once they get back to Earth. And it's actually something that Stan Love experienced in his short time in space too. During my short flight, I actually had time scheduled for exercise. We had a little exercise bike on the shuttle. The space station has really good exercise equipment now. We've been through several generations of it, and it's working pretty well. But for the uh, shuttle crews, we just had those little bike. And I tried it for about 10 minutes and said, this is pointless. And I blew off all the rest of my exercise for the flight because I had a lot of work to do. And if I had spare time, dang it, I was going to go look out the window. So uh, I didn't do any of my exercise. I did do two spacewalks, which is pretty good exercise those two days. But when I got back, I had lost eight pounds of muscle <gasps> all off my legs. I basically lost eight pounds of muscle off my legs. It took two months to get it back. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So my advice is if you go to space, even if the exercise seems silly, do it. Because otherwise, you're going to be doing a lot of work to get back your physical conditioning. Because as soon as you turn off the loads on your muscles... Your body says, I don't need this, and just dumps it. I suppose that space described as a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I follow Stan Love for more space health tips. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.